Welcome to Brookstone's Be The One podcast, a special production of Brookstone School. I'm your host, Avery Wolf, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. In today's interview, we hear from one of my favorite people in the whole world, Andy Fleming. Andy is the CEO and co-founder of The Developmental Edge. He and his team of experts, including Harvard faculty, Dr. Bob Keegan and Dr. Lisa Leahy, as well as Andy's wife, Claire Lee, work with companies all over the world as they seek to accelerate personal and professional growth within the corporate setting. And guess what? He also works with schools, or at least with one school, our school, Brookstone. We are the first school in the world to introduce the same principles and methodology that Andy and his team use with corporations across the globe to students. I've had the privilege of working with Andy for the past several years as part of the Blanchard Leadership Institute, and it has been nothing short of life-changing, and that's not an exaggeration. I know you're going to enjoy this episode because it's impossible not to. Every time I leave a meeting with Andy, I am inspired, encouraged, and ready to take on the world. So without further ado, let's hear my conversation with Andy. I am here with my friend this morning, Andy Fleming. Andy, thank you so much for being here on the Be The One podcast. You are one of the first outside guests to be interviewed, and so it's about time that we got you here and to interview you in our fancy studio. So you are the CEO and co-founder of The Developmental Edge, and I've had the privilege of working with you now for several years um, in partnership with Brookstone and how much you have meant to us. So, so let's just let's just get down to it. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and education and things like that for our listeners? Sure. And just say it's a great privilege to be with you, Avery, and to be in this, you know, incredible studio here. And, you know, who'd have thunk uh, <laughs> that we'd be doing this given I where know. we started three I years know. ago. Yeah. yeah. It's so fun. It is fun. It is fun, and I, I've just had fun as I always do on uh, visit uh, down here this morning. Good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm from the Northeast originally, from Connecticut, uh, and uh, went to school up there, and went to, you know, went to Yale, and went to Harvard Business School, and was on yes. a bit of a fast track, and mm-hmm. then uh, stepped off the fast track in my late twenties and took a different direction, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a kind of rediscovery of things that I was passionate about and cared about that had a lot to do with coaching and mm-hmm. teaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, it had always been something that I did in the sports context yes. uh, before. But I realized while with the business background I had, I could apply that in the business world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also, since my life had taken a different turn, I was very interested in things related to spirituality and ethics and uh, wound up coming down to Atlanta Mm -hmm. from Connecticut uh, to attend the Candler School of Theology uh, at Emory University. Yes. And sitting in a classroom at Candler, Mm -hmm. uh, I was introduced by a professor named James Fowler, uh, the late Jim Fowler, great Mm -hmm. man, mentor, friend, ultimately became a colleague. Mm-hmm. to a, a body of knowledge called constructive developmental psychology and the mm-hmm. idea that people move through stages of development mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. life. And I was sitting in the classroom as Jim was on a blackboard. Uh, so that shows you how <laughs> old I those. am. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember blackboards with a piece of chalk, uh, sketching out this stages of development. And I looked at the blackboard and I said, my gosh, 
You mean there are maps? Right. You mean there's a way to think about your own growth journey mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I, I just never thought about it that way, that there were actually stages that human beings move through. Mm-hmm. And I was so blown away by that, that at that moment, decided that in some way, in some form, I wanted to try to bring some of this, what I've now come to call developmental intelligence, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. try to bring this into other institutions in the world because I'd gone to some good schools right. and hadn't been exposed to this right. at all. Right. And mm-hmm. this way of thinking. Uh, so that was a real turning point for me. And it, I, I came to actually work for Jim and with Jim at something at Emory called the Center for Ethics. Okay. And Jim created an area in the center uh, called Leadership, Life, Work, and Vocation. And when he was describing it to me, uh, I was sitting in his office and the drool is coming down my <laughs> mouth. And, uh, and he says, I'm creating it for you. Oh, wow. And so he created a spot for me and wound up doing workshops and teaching some courses at Emory. Mm-hmm. And it was at Emory that our, our stories begin to connect Overlap is that uh, we had the chance to meet Bill Turner. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Mr. Turner was very interested in promoting servant leadership, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. in schools and educational right. institutions. And right. at the center, we wanted to meet with Bill and, and yeah. talk about what we could do. And right. it was actually coming down to Columbus and meeting Bill. And unbeknownst to us, he'd invited Jimmy Blanchard and Lee James and, uh-huh. and Jimmy Yancey and yes. Sonny Deriso and and yes. others, Stephanie mm-hmm. Alford, mm-hmm. to come to the meeting mm-hmm. and hear about our work and in the car driving down <laughs> to Columbus, uh, Jim Fowler, Steve Olson, and myself were decided, well, how should we present? And I had a little mini workshop I could do, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's what I did. And Jim Blanchard was, I guess, saw that, that maybe I could help with the creation of the Synovus Leadership Institute. Yeah. And yeah. so that's how my path connected with Columbus and Synovus and, mm-hmm. and Mr. Blanchard and a lot of folks uh, around Columbus. Yeah. And uh, uh, I had the opportunity to help organizations, help Synovus mm-hmm. uh, in 1999. Uh, they got named number one on the Fortune Magazine 100 Best Companies to Work For list. Yes, I did. was very involved in the Leadership Institute. Mm-hmm. People would call up and say, well, who does your leadership training? And Synovus folks were kind enough to point some folks in, in my direction. And yeah. Lo and behold, I have a business. <laughs> and uh, with, some, with some colleagues, uh, we spent about 10 years mm-hmm. helping organizations try to move to become you know, a great place to work. Right. Okay. Right. And uh, as Synovus had become. Mm-hmm. And about 2009, 2010, I had a kind of epiphany. Uh, I had gotten to you know bringing some of these developmental ideas and so forth, not only into work with Synovus, but other organizations that we were helping. Mm-hmm. But I had a kind of epiphany that in the 21st century, with the pace of change, that it wasn't enough for organizations to become a great place to work. Right. They needed to be a great place to grow. Mm, and yeah. a great place to grow, not just for quote-unquote, senior leaders or high potentials, which I hate that term because everybody's (laughs) a high potential, Uh, but for everybody. And so so it was with that idea that I I had a connection with Robert Keegan and and Lisa Leahy up at Harvard, who were Mm. also pioneers, along with Jim Fowler, in bringing the developmental perspective into various fields. 
And through various circumstances, uh, I reached out and Claire, my wife, mm -hmm. who's also a developmental coach and a co-founder yes. of the Developmental Edge, yes. we reached out to Bob and Lisa and began conversations about work that we might do together. And that led to us uh, throwing in together, creating the entity that's now called the Developmental Edge yep. with the idea of bringing this work uh, mm -hmm. more and more into organizations at scale. Right. Uh, and so we did some original research. Uh, we wrote a book called An Everyone Culture, mm -hmm. Becoming a Deliberately Developmental Organization. Uh, Which is right up there, for those well, of you who are uh, watching this, right on our bookshelf. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's very cool to see. Uh, and uh, so we, we did that, we've been doing that work. And <clears throat> through the Synovus uh, connection, I got invited to consult a little bit at, uh, at Brookstone yes. and, uh, mm -hmm. and we had the great fortune to do, uh, uh what, uh, process that we had developed called mm -hmm. the developmental sprint, yes. uh, mm -hmm. for the leadership team That's of right. which you were, uh, or, and are a part of. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was a, uh, you know, fun, great, rich oh, experience it for was amazing. us. Mm -hmm. uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, and then that's what led ultimately to, mm -hmm. Uh, the impetus to bring more of this work uh, right. into Brookstone. So mm -hmm. along the way, I'll also just say, uh, Claire and I, who we met uh, when we were both part of a, a developmental community in Atlanta where we were participants uh, trying to, you know, as we still are, work on our own growth right. and development. We exactly. met there, uh, had a similar sort of commitment and orientation in life, although just about everything else about us is different. <laughs> um, as Claire being from... Uh, of Chinese descent, yeah. born and raised in Taiwan, and yeah. me not. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, and we have two kids, and so mm -hmm. we, you know, uh, developmental opportunities have abounded yes. uh, in our lives uh, in the last 20 years or so. It's you know? so true. Well, and we have had the privilege of working with Claire, too. Just a huge Claire fan. In fact, <laughs> after, at the end of our Sprint as an admin men team. I don't know if you remember, uh, Bonnie had the bracelets made that yeah. said, what would Claire do? Uh, or what would Claire make you that's do? That's right. That's right. What <laughs> that would is an Claire, important difference. That's right. What would Claire make me do? Yes. yes. Yeah. We, we like to say that, that when Claire coaches someone, they undergo a kind mm -hmm. of clarification. <laughs> um, so, I love that. Yeah. That's such a good term. Well, you make a good team for sure, um, and it, it has just been maybe one of the biggest professional blessings of my life to, to work with you guys. Um, it, it, it is not an overstatement to say that the work you're doing is life-changing, and I remember sitting in that room, in the founder's room right down the hall with our admin team going through this and thinking, you know, first of all, not having any idea what we were about to go through. We thought it was more professional development but had no clue the journey it was going to take us on. And um, and it hit me so profoundly as we went through this sprint process and went through the map, which I want you to talk more about too later. Sure. Um, woo, I just was confronted with some things that I just did not realize about myself. And um, and it it changed the way I thought about so many things. So So then... After we did this, this was right before COVID, right, right. really late summer before COVID hit, um, we all attribute our ability to respond to what happened during COVID as a school, as an educational institution, um, to our abilities 
and our relationships that we gained um, as an administrative team as a result of this sprint. Um, there's no doubt about it that it was such a, a wonderful exercise for us to go through. Um, I wish every organization in the world could go through it. Um, so as a result, we then, I'm jumping ahead all nope, over my ahead. questions, yeah. but Love you know, it. as a result, we really kind of started thinking, how can we get the faculty, the whole faculty to experience what we just got to experience as an admin team? And then that even snowballed further into the students. So, and that has just been the huge journey of what is now known here at Brookston as the Blanchard Leadership Institute. And we're so grateful for those meetings that you had with Mr. Turner and Mr. Blanchard all those many years ago. Who mm. would have ever thought we would yeah. end up here? Um, and how I now think we are changing the lives of our students through this work. So so we're the first school yes. to ever do this. Yes. yes. Absolutely. You are, you are the pioneers. The pioneers. And, and cutting new you know, pathways through mm -hmm. the forest, uh, really. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, sometimes the mm -hmm. sort of bushwhacking <laughs> is, uh, you know, hard work. Uh, right, and, right. uh, you don't exactly know where you're going to wind up, right. uh, mm -hmm. with it. Uh, but mm -hmm. I couldn't be prouder or more grateful mm -hmm. or feel like a, there's a better group of folks mm -hmm. than, than you mm -hmm. sort of carry the Banner carried mm -hmm. the flag and did a lot of the heavy lifting uh, to get this launched, and mm -hmm. with a team of other folks yes, and and, and with Marty's yes. blessing yes. and uh, mm -hmm. full engagement mm -hmm. and and now Megan yes uh, is doing is an amazing taking job. it uh, yep. you know even further mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and and what's most exciting to me is the the seeing and experiencing how uh, uh, many teachers and, mm -hmm. and faculty members have added their own thinking and their mm -hmm. own ideas and, and made it a, a Brookstone mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. And, and so that in some ways the, the offering, the sprint, looks very different than mm -hmm. what we did initially for students three years ago. It, it completely, yes. And, and it's mm -hmm. so much better mm -hmm. yes. uh, because yes. of what you all mm -hmm. brought to it. Mm -hmm. And so that to me, that's that's actually the most satisfying and, mm -hmm. and exciting uh, mm -hmm. thing about it. And, that, right. that, and the possibilities then are really limitless right. uh, in terms of where it can go. Right. Because we've learned something every time we've done it. We've, you know, adapted and changed and made tweaks and... Uh, and I feel the feedback from the students has helped us along yes. those lines. And so so it's been really exciting this year uh, to watch Megan take it um, in, in a different direction and how I, I think it's been fantastic. Yes. Um, and I think the students, you know, students are, are, you get different experiences, but I think overall they have really embraced it. And um, you can tell that from what they write, the feedback right. they give us. Um, so it's just really exciting and we're only three years in. Right. And so who knows where, yeah. where these seeds, how they're going to take root and grow. It's just really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, I want to just say along these lines, a, a special word about uh, Jim Blanchard. Yes. Who, who got behind this possibility. Absolutely. It and, would not be possible without him. It would not him. be yes. possible without him. Mm -hmm. And and the, the insists. Let me throw in insists too. Abs yes, absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, from my experience with Jim, you know, years ago at mm -hmm. the Sonoma Leadership Institute, and then observing him, 
there were there are two things, many things I take away, but two things I would just lift up that are that are kind of embodied in the Blanchard Leadership Institute here, and and one is this notion that that when you were around Jim, uh, that every meeting that he was a part of, uh, whether it was one on one or in a small group or in a thousand people uh, talking to the whole company, mm-hmm. uh, that he, he was fully present. And, and you had the sense that he was kind of like uh, rubbing his hands together mm-hmm. and, and looking at you and just dead on uh, speaking to you and saying, uh, it's good that we're together mm-hmm. and something mm-hmm. good is going to happen yes. because we're together. Yeah. And that spirit of togetherness that we can accomplish things is, is uh, you know, part of what I think the sprint represents right. or tries to move forward, but it's mm-hmm. it's Jim's spirit that's that's embodied in the second thing I'm about to share that that if I heard him say it once, I heard him say it, you know, fifty times uh, in front of folks when there was either a challenge or an opportunity, mm-hmm. he would mm-hmm. say, you, you know what we're gonna do? Mm-hmm. We're gonna lock arms with each other and mm-hmm. lift each other up. I love it. And and that's the spirit of a developmental sprint yes. that we can make our own individual development, yes. a team sport. Right. We can be helping each other mm-hmm. grow mm-hmm. much more than we may have realized. Right. You know, we right. can mm-hmm. lock arms yeah. and lift each other up. I just yeah. love that. I love that because so often we we retreat inward instead of coming together. So I do, I love that. The whole design of the sprint, the the peer groups, the community aspect of it. I think in the long run, it makes for more sustainable and more effective growth. Absolutely. But you're having people hold you accountable. You're you're seeking wisdom from one another. It's 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 just a beautiful design. So I love being a part of it. Um, the peer groups I've been a part of have just yeah. been some of my favorite things about it. Um, yeah. And the relationships that you form. And so and we saw that today. We just finished for our listeners. Uh, we just finished today a community sprint. We had the closing workshop right before this interview. And so you even saw that uh, the relationships that these groups developed over the past few weeks. That's mm-hmm. one of the really cool things that mm-hmm. you and Megan have, uh, uh, you know, brought to fruition is offering this work, you know, not just to faculty, staff, administrators mm-hmm. uh, here at Brookstone, not just to students, but even more broadly in the community. And it's, yes. it's cool to see that starting to take hold and Agreed. to see how people are responding to that. Um, you know, and I think mm-hmm. there's obviously there's plenty of opportunity for that right. to, you know, further flower right. uh, as yes. well. Because I think this was the first one we were able to hold in person. Yes. Which is just hard to believe. COVID has just twisted <laughs> up the past couple of years. Yeah. We had one via Zoom, but I think this was the first one in person. Yeah. And so we had parents and alumni and faculty all participating together over the past few weeks. And so it was a really good time. Yeah. For sure. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the concept of developmental intelligence. Um, Just speak to that. Okay. So, so we, we all know, you know, I've heard of the term emotional intelligence and, and that's a great thing. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. may we all have more (laughs) emotional intelligence, but there's there's a way in which that's, that's one kind of set of capabilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what developmental intelligence is, it's the capability to develop new capabilities. Mm, yes. It's the ability mm-hmm. and the know-how mm-hmm. to accelerate your own growth yes. mm-hmm. uh, in whatever area you might want to accelerate your growth in. Right. It's the ability and know-how to help someone else mm. 
-hmm. grow faster. Mm -hmm. And it's the ability and know-how to actually participate in a team or a group or an organization as a good citizen to help create a culture or to even lead Mm -hmm. uh, in creating a culture in which everyone grows faster. And so developmental intelligence is that know-how for how do we create an environment and how do we help each other mm-hmm. uh, just accelerate our own growth. Right. You know? And and that is definitely something we're trying to teach our students um, to uh, to always be growing. I loved, I'm, I'm, again, I'm jumping ahead, but your, sure. your um, analogy at the closing of the workshop today about the ski lift, tell us a little bit about that. Okay. All right. So if, if what we, we have this term, I, I think I referenced earlier about the idea of a, a deliberately developmental organization, yes. an organi- organization that that doesn't just do sort of whatever its business is mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. whatever its sort of, uh, you know, uh, regular mission is, right. you know, uh, right. educating students or producing uh, products or whatever it is, but, but also deliberately tries to create a culture or an environment that acts as a kind of incubator for people's growth. So, so that you go to uh, work inside of or be a part of an organization, uh, ideally, the organization is operating kind of like a ski lift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that, so that just by being part of the organization, mm-hmm. it's going to help you, you know, go up Mount Development. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that an organization that's deliberately developmental has regular practices mm-hmm to facilitate that. So it's not okay. just accidental yep. right. that it happens. And one of the practices that uh, we've, we've developed and now lots of organizations have, have made use of is this thing that we call the developmental sprint. Yes. It's a, yes. uh, in, in, in uh, sort of corporate world and, and uh, quote unquote other you know, outside organizations, typically a four week process, but w- with your students, different ages, it's different, different, you know, times. Uh, different right. time spans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's an intentional uh, sort of practice or process right. to help people wherever they are, right. wherever they are on Mount Development, mm-hmm. uh, developmental sprint operates like a chairlift or mm-hmm. a ski lift that all you need to do is just move over a little bit to, you know, meet the chair coming up yep. and it'll help take you up the mountain. Uh, and and that. help you move to the next right. next stage of of mount development. Right, and, I love and that. so that's that's the idea of a mm-hmm. deliberately developmental organization that operates in some way, right. like that ski lift. Right, and uh, it's continuous, and it's continuous. It just keeps going. It just keeps yeah. going, and uh-huh. and that's why. And you guys em- embody this. That's why mm-hmm. we do regular sprints. Right. We do a sprint, you know, uh, every year for right. for everybody, and you can right. participate in more than one potentially, mm-hmm. but. But that it's always available, and maybe right. maybe this year, you know, the chair didn't catch you at exactly the right moment, or you, you know, right. didn't sit next to the person you wanted to sit next to on the chair, whatever. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Next year, yeah, it's going to come around again, and right. you're going to have that opportunity. And it's not something you have to. It's not something you have to choose in the sense. It's just there. It's just going to happen. Okay, yeah. it's the organization yeah. is just making it happen. It's yeah. kind of like. What we do around here, mm-hmm. 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 One, one of the proudest things for me that was to come in the fall, mm-hmm. uh, actually August, uh, last, last, last August of 2022, mm-hmm. and to see 
well, the new faculty right. and new staff members, about 25 or right. so, mm-hmm. uh, launching a sprint. Right. To, the, one of the first things we made them do. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And mm-hmm. and just, this is what we do around here. Right. And we, we support each other. We lock arms with each other. Right. And by the way, as a new person, this is going to help you connect right. at a much deeper level, mm-hmm. much faster right. with people that are going to be your colleagues. Right. Exactly. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, so to accelerate that mm-hmm. process, in addition to sort of uh, socializing people into right. just this is the ethos here. Yeah. We're here to help. We're, we're not only here to help the students grow. We're here to help each other right. grow exactly. uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that sets your work apart from other quote unquote professional development, if you will, because it's not just a one and done right. type of deal. It, it's like a lifetime journey. Right. It really is, and. Um, And as I said, even this morning, even when you're not actively participating in a sprint, um, your thought process is different after you've been through it. And how, as as you have said, and you have taught me, and I say to myself all the time, that you think about your thinking. And that's just really profound. Um, So I want to talk about the sprint in in a generic, having not, if somebody's not sitting with us looking at a map, um, talk to us about what that is. What is the sprint? Okay. So, so it's designed to actually, the, the starting point is to help you make traction on mm-hmm. a current improvement goal, mm-hmm. something that for whatever reason in your work or in your life, you just want to get better at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people in the corporate world, it might be get better at delegating or get better at giving constructive feedback or, or whatever, that, whatever that might be. In, and similarly, that could be true for folks in an educational uh, institution but it could be any kind of uh, improvement goal. Right. I want to be, get better at having difficult conversations. I want to right. get better at managing my time, mm-hmm. get better at managing my emotions. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to get better at, in a recent sprint uh, mm-hmm. for me, my improvement goals get better at quickly doing things that I know I need to do. Yes. Uh, yes. And so, mm-hmm. so it starts with an improvement, something you want to get better at. And then there's, there's two workshops that bookend the mm-hmm. experience. There's what we call the launch workshop, and then the closing workshop. And in the launch workshop, you go through a process that our colleagues, uh, Bob Keegan and Lisa Leahy from, from Harvard created, called the Immunity to Change Process. And you mm-hmm. make, you've referred to it a couple of times, mm-hmm. you make a map yes. that, that in a very methodical, step-by-step way, uh, the process helps you gain some insight right. into old patterns, right. old patterns of, of beliefs, or assumptions, mm-hmm. we call them big assumptions, yep. uh, old patterns of beliefs and behaviors that might be keeping you stuck, yeah. that might be getting in the way mm-hmm. of you making traction on that improvement goal. Mm-hmm. And it may be an improvement goal that maybe you've even made some New Year's resolutions right. on <laughs> and uh, you know, sort of taken that approach, right. which we found in Keegan and Leahy's research has discovered that's not a effective way yeah. to make any kind of sustained significant change. Right. So this process helps you identify those old patterns uh, and really then gets you into understanding what are some of the limiting assumptions or big assumptions that I'm making. Mm-hmm. And then as, as your retired uh, faculty member, Dale, whose last yes, name I'm, Everson. Everson, yes. would, would share, mm-hmm. what you're then doing is you're just applying the principles of the scientific method yes. to your own development. Exactly. So the scientific method, you know, you have a hypothesis or a mm-hmm. theory and you test it right. 
to see, is it true? How right. true is it? Under what circumstances is it true? Well, it's the same thing in the sprint and this immunity change process is that you've got an assumption that is kind of like your hypothesis mm -hmm. for how the world is. Oh, right. if I delegate, they'll always screw it up. Or if yeah. I delegate, if I ask someone else to help me out, they're going to resent right. being asked to do something that mm -hmm. I've usually done. We have assumptions all the time. All the time. <laughs> and we it's just what human beings do. Mm -hmm. and, and we need to be making assumptions or else we'd be completely paralyzed. <laughs> but some assumptions are old assumptions right. that may have some fear mm -hmm. uh, attached to them. Absolutely. That that uh, lead us to not get traction on that improvement goal. They actually right. serve as as uh, we call competing commitments uh, that get in the way of getting traction. And so our process is just to help people do small experiments to test those big assumptions mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. to see is it really true right. that if you ask someone for help. Right. They're going to resent it, mm -hmm. okay? And so just start doing a small experiment, a safe, small experiment, and to gather data right. and to reflect mm -hmm. on that data. Mm -hmm. And importantly, to reflect on that data with the support right. of a small, what we call peer coaching group, right. of other people who are working mm -hmm. on their own improvement goals, right. doing their own experiments, mm -hmm. and created a little protocol for the, mm -hmm. those groups to then get together and share with each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mr. Blanche's words, you know, lock arms with each right. other, support and challenge right. uh, each other. Mm -hmm. Just kind of hold each other accountable. So if right. you've done your experiment, right. et cetera. So that unfolds, that testing of those assumptions unfolds over four weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, you meet typically with your peer coaching group once a week uh, to go through, hey, this is what I did. This is what I'm thinking of doing. This is what I'm learning, et cetera. And then there's a closing workshop at the end. So the process is bookended by the launch workshop and closing workshop to help people reflect on what they've learned, hear learnings from other folks, and then to come to realize that they've actually absorbed mm -hmm. uh, you know, what we label as developmental intelligence. They've absorbed because they've experienced what it's like to just focus on one improvement goal at right. a time. Right. Okay. Then that's part of the you know, developmental sensor DQ right. focus on one improvement goal. Uh, get lean into what your assumptions mm -hmm. might be. So surface and test those assumptions, make it a team sport uh, mm -hmm. with others and, and enter into it with a, a, a spirit of kind of play right. and a, a certain lightness to mm -hmm. just going to experiment, just going to mm -hmm. try some things a little different. Okay. And then reflect right. uh, as well. So those are the main elements. Yes. I, I don't know if I. No, that's exactly. Yes. Okay. We wanted you to walk people through that because, and, and, and one thing that's so effective about peer groups is that sometimes these things are scary to do. You think they are. You think they you are. You think they that's are. That's right. And so they're really not. But having that peer group accountability saying it's, it's going to be okay. You can do this. Yeah. Um, it just makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, that's, that's one of the uh, things. I, I, I didn't learn that lesson until mm -hmm. much later in life that, that you know, my own development, I, I thought of and kind of conceptualized it the way I think a lot of people do as a sort of private thing. Right. And, exactly. And that whatever you know, my, mm -hmm. my weaknesses were, right. whatever, you know, uh, thought processes I had, uh, whatever vulnerabilities I might have, 
that was something to keep to myself. Right, exactly. Uh, and yeah. that I didn't want to show that out in some mm-hmm. way. And obviously mm-hmm. there's circumstances where it's more appropriate or less appropriate. Right. But that, But what I didn't realize was that we could be helping each other mm-hmm. a lot more mm-hmm. than we may mm-hmm. realize. Mm-hmm. And the process actually doesn't have to be as hard as we may yeah. think it does. Completely. We could actually have some fun mm-hmm. uh, doing this. And that's not to say that there aren't, you know, challenges. I mean, right. that's part right. of the whole of process. Course. But but we can actually, you know, together mm-hmm. uh, make this a little bit more of a kind of adventure, right. uh, our own development, right. and hold ourselves maybe just a little bit less seriously yes. uh, as we try and experiment with some new behaviors. Well, and I want to ask you about that because I always love um, how you encourage that, the the curiosity, the um, even the playfulness. And I think those can be concepts that are hard for adults because you feel like you're not supposed to do that anymore. Right. You're supposed to be mature and serious and so I I love that. So what role do you think that plays in I'm I'm jumping way ahead here That's in my okay. in my questions, but since you brought that up, you know, in in leadership, like in in our ability to innovate and our ability to be creative, what what role does that play in leadership? Well, here here's the here's the thing. It is is uh and part of why, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, I had this notion that organizations needed to be great places to grow, mm-hmm. is that the pace of change is, you know, it's a cliche to say, right. but it's only accelerating yeah. now. And Without the, the recent developments in artificial intelligence are only going to, yes. you know, further accelerate mm-hmm. the acceleration. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and people and organizations are going to have to be continuously developing new capabilities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, new adaptive capabilities, mm-hmm. uh, new capabilities to even lead and get out ahead of, of mm-hmm. the pace of change. So if we're not growing, mm-hmm. if we don't know how to help ourselves grow and as leaders, this is probably going to be the single most important capability of a leader is to create an environment where everybody grows faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if we don't know how does growth happen, if we don't have developmental intelligence mm-hmm. to, to accelerate that for ourselves and for other people... We're going to get left behind. Yeah. And, and, and there's one way of thinking about it. We're, we're not going to sort of, you know, quote unquote, succeed right. as well as we might. And, and that's true. Right. We're also not going to be able to contribute as much right. uh, mm-hmm. as we might. We're not going to be able to make as much of a difference in the world mm-hmm. if we're behind the curve right. in terms of being able to build our own and help others build their own mm-hmm. capabilities. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one connection yeah. uh, I see to leadership. The, the second is, is that 20 years ago, 25 years ago, people in organizations, the, the big idea for how organizations needed to get better right. and improve was mm-hmm. around quality. Yes. So mm-hmm. the whole quality movement, yes. you know, took hold. Mm-hmm. Well, today, the big idea and the big concept is innovation yeah. and transformation. Mm-hmm. And if you look at innovative companies, companies and organizations that have been able to transform themselves over the years and be consistently innovative, there's a a single dynamic that's at the heart of innovation, and that is the ability to challenge old 
assumptions. Mm, how about that? The ability to challenge old assumptions about our customers, our markets, right. our operations, our right. people, everything right. about the organization that you're a part of and everything mm. that it does. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the same capability that's at the heart of innovating ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's at the heart of, you know, one of the buzzwords is, you know, disruptive innovation yes. and, and mm -hmm. we're going to disrupt the mm -hmm. industry. Well, at the heart of every disruptive move mm -hmm. uh, in organizations is challenging old assumptions. That's yeah. the dynamic. Yeah. And, and, that's the same dynamic for disrupting mm -hmm. our old patterns yes. is being able to surface and challenge old assumptions. Yes. And what we've seen in organizations is that being able to do that for yourself mm -hmm. and have that get into your DNA, yeah. into mm -hmm. your habits of thinking, as you shared, mm -hmm. uh, Avery, that that enables you to do that more easily right. for your organization. Right. And then when you've got a crowd of folks, when you've right. got a cadre of folks in the organization who have that common language and are able right. to do that, you can have shorthand conversations about, mm -hmm. well, what assumptions are we making about this right. initiative right. or this project or why it's gone off the rails or mm -hmm. how it is that we need to protect uh, against the downside? Mm -hmm. well, let's test. Let's start testing some of those assumptions. Right. And so you can get into action much mm -hmm. faster and you're mm -hmm. much more likely to be innovative if you're consciously uh, taking that, you know, challenging old assumptions right. uh, kind of stance. Oh, I just love it. It it just it's just fascinating to me um, because it is. It's like multiple levels. It's the 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 self awareness right that leads to a corporate culture of growth, if you will. I I just love I That's love right. how it all fits together. That's right. Um, That's right. and one thing that um that I love uh and speak to the organizations you work with around the world. Their primary business might not have anything to do with leadership development. That's right. But what what companies are investing your work into their people um, in order to make their actual mission of whatever their business model That's is? That's right. It, it's amazing to me. People are seeing the value of that. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So so we we work with uh, in the last three years, mm -hmm. uh, really since the pandemic, and mm -hmm. we took our work that that had been largely delivered uh, in person, mm -hmm. uh, increasingly virtual, but the pandemic accelerated that. Right. So we took everything. our work, we took the sprint and mm -hmm. made it so that we could deliver it uh, yeah. 100% virtual. Yeah. And, and that means we could deliver it inside of large organizations right. in multiple countries all at once. Mm -hmm. So, so mm -hmm. in the last three years, we've delivered uh, we've had sprint participants mm -hmm. in global organizations in over 75 countries. Wow. We've we've wow. translated the material and it's now available in 11 different languages. Wow. Uh, so and have trained sprint leaders mm -hmm. uh, in multiple organizations to be able to right. deliver this uh, themselves. And and so uh, I could tell you stories about a, a global retailer mm -hmm. uh, where many of us have bought furniture. Uh, <laughs> That uh, that uh, has put uh, its 500 store managers mm -hmm. uh, through a sprint mm -hmm. on behalf of a mindset shift right. Right. that they know they need to make. Right. And so they need those store managers to think not just in terms of managing the the four corners of a brick and mortar right. store, exactly, but mm -hmm. to have the mindset 
that I'm managing the four corners of a digital marketplace. Right. And so they need that kind of shift mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the behaviors that go along with that and the mindset that goes along with that. And to accelerate that process, they put 500 leaders into two different sprints of 250 people each, and they cite that work as a right. kind of turning point yeah. uh, for Absolutely. the organization. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, that's... That's just, you know, that's a picture of how it's right. kind of getting out there. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge believer, obviously, but it did make such an impact on me and some of the training I was able to do um, with people in different corporations that, again, and I'm sure they're looking at us the same way, our business, if you will, right. is education, is educating students. And their business might have been whatever it was. Right. But the investment that they were making to create the cultures where they were, it's it was it was so eye opening to me, um, and and exciting, and it makes me want every company I know to go through this. It's why right. Synovus was such an amazing place to work because right. that culture, but also how it, it is still an amazing place to work. Let me yeah, let me keep, sure. let me qualify that. But like you know it. Um, when you go through it, you're just like, everybody needs to know this stuff. Everybody, I mean, everybody would benefit from from your work and from going through this. Well, way. that that was mm -hmm. the feeling I had sitting mm -hmm. in the classroom mm -hmm. at uh, Candler School of Theology, yeah. you know, almost, gosh, almost 30 years ago, mm -hmm. thinking, you know, why, why isn't this more widely known? Right. Uh, and that, that the idea, the idea that it's, and, and, and instilling, and, and at Brookstone, love how we're able to instill and mm -hmm. you know younger younger children right. that you know it's possible mm -hmm. to grow. You right. can actually help propel yourself. Mm -hmm. You can get better at things that mm -hmm. you want to get better at. Then and, mm -hmm. and there's way there's there's better ways to do that than other right. ways. Right. Right. right, you know, just the the New Year's resolution approach and just, just the willpower, just approach, willpower, exactly. It's, you know, that's mm -hmm. of limited value, but there there are other ways to right. do this, right? And we can do it together. Right. Uh, right. That the idea that we could, you know, sort of foster this right. mindset mm -hmm. some, and just mm -hmm. that that young people would would have this experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that they could draw on, right. As they you know progress in life, right. Uh, and bring into their organizations. Right. That's that's right. really exciting right. to me. And to think the impact that our younger kids, like that, you know, are in kindergarten, first, second grade now, that by the time they get to high school, this will become such a part of of their learning experience here, and such a part of their hopefully their vocabulary and their ability to to reflect. And um, and I say all the time, I wish I'd had these tools when I was in high school mm. to, to really equip our students with that ability, um, that with that self-awareness and the understanding that they can take their thoughts, stop them, examine them, reflect upon them, test them. Test them. Like, yeah. wow, just what an amazing tool set to, to give our kids. Yeah. So yeah. I, makes and, me so excited. And I, and I, I'd be remiss if I if I didn't give a, a, a also a special shout out to Marty Lester, mm -hmm. your your outgoing head mm -hmm. of school, for 100%. him uh, seeing the the potential value of right. this, being willing to step into it, yes. into the work himself, yes, make exactly. himself vulnerable with his yes. executive team, and uh, and if you know if yeah. Marty hadn't done that, then mm -hmm. we're not here now, right? 
Um, Absolutely. I mean, he was our first public player, if you will, which is part right. of the sprint. But yeah. for the leader of the school to allow himself to be vulnerable in the way that the sprint, in the, in the beautiful way that the sprint process takes you through, oh, it's just, it spoke volumes. And so, yeah, in a hundred percent, thank you to yeah. Marty yes. for being willing to bring this in to our school and um, and to start this Yes. During COVID, like we started this as a school in well, 2020. Well, well, that, that's that's that that's exactly right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And and uh, we're doing like Zoom uh, oh, meetings with yes. uh, hundreds, hundreds of, of high schoolers and trying to manage the uh, bandwidth yes. and the, oh, the uh, Wi-Fi. We yeah, tested wi- everything oh, we had. Yes. <laughs> Put yes, it all and, to and, the limits. And, and, that's right. That's right. We <laughs> we pushed it to edges and yes, beyond, I we think. Did. <laughs> uh, but what what you guys have done in in terms of now so so brookstonish i think <laughs> of bringing this into the classrooms mm-hmm. bring it into a more intimate uh kind of setting mm-hmm. uh having the teachers more directly involved right. with right. with students in ways that that are are uh you know just appropriate for right. the teacher student relationship right. exactly uh is uh you know that's a great path that, mm-hmm. that you all have cut well it's uh, it's been it's been exciting to do it together and and just I cannot wait to see what this continues to yes. look like over the next five to ten years and, and beyond. Um, so, so we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but just you know, the field of leadership development is just constantly evolving. So, you know, are, do we have everything in place we need, or do <laughs> you know what are some of the tools we need to make sure? What are the, some of the trends? I guess you would say that you see coming that we need to prepare for. And again, you've already kind of touched on this, yeah. but speak to it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So so trends are that the the development needs to happen as much as possible actually in your work context. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rather okay. than uh, there there will always be a place for, you know, the retreat right. kind right. of uh experience. Yeah. There'll always be a place in in some contexts for one-on-one executive mm-hmm. coaching yes. uh, kind of thing. But, but what people have, have, are increasingly realizing is that the kind of sort of transformational uh, outcomes that you hope for with one-on-one, you know, mm-hmm. quote-unquote executive coaching right. uh, is something that we actually need to make the, the benefits of that right. – available to everybody because uh, given the complexity of work that people do now, even people on the front lines have to be growing and developing and are having to make more complex decisions than the person in the call center uh, or in other – in, so in, true. In other settings, mm-hmm. uh, and so so one of the big trends is how can we make development and and leadership development? You know, it's an idea of you know sort of leaders at all levels. Right. How can we push that down to mm-hmm. everybody uh, in an organization? How can we make the benefits that people might get from you know one on one kind right. of executive coaching? How do we make that available to everybody? Right. And and that's where you know the sprint. Is, is is and and related things mm-hmm. are, are coming into play mm-hmm. uh, more, mm-hmm. and and where we're not going to send people away 
for long periods of time right. uh, and then hope that when they come back, right. they're going to apply something that they've learned. We're going to have short you know, bursts, short right. workshops, and then get people to do their you know, experiments mm-hmm. in their regular work context yeah. and in, right. in their regular kind of work and life right. context right. so that we don't have that the transfer problem right. of transferring right. learning from you know, sort right. of one domain uh, right. to the other. So, so that's yeah. one of the big trends yeah. uh, that we're seeing. I, I think that was one of the things, obviously, that makes this so different, so sets this so apart from other leadership development because it is working on your own work. And right. um, it's nothing hypothetical. Um, you yeah. know, there are real-life situations that you – you were able to apply this to, and I think that makes all the difference. And, and, mm-hmm. and it, you're you're a thousand percent right, uh, Avery. And and one of the other things that you know we're seeing, and it, and it, just seeing the the tip of it right now, actually, uh, is that with AI coming into play uh, more and more. So so the content of training, like mm-hmm. what are the four steps of delegating, or right. what what are the six uh, practices of having difficult conversations, whatever right. it is, that content is available to people instantly, yeah. increasingly instantly. Yeah. So, so whereas we used to have to go to a workshop with a special teacher or knowledgeable person who would mm-hmm. teach those principles, mm-hmm. okay, we don't have to do that anymore. Right. I know. But, but where the real test, though, is, is can we overcome our right. old limiting assumptions that keep us from applying right. that knowledge. Right, right. And so, so mm-hmm. the, the more and more training is going to mm-hmm. be about, okay, the, the, know, the knowledge, the technical side of right. learning, it's, it's available. It's, it's around right. us. It's right. cheap. But the, the hard part, and what in the field is called the adaptive challenge of actually shifting your mindset that's going to be, that's more and more the focus yes. of development. Yes. Yeah. And you spoke to that a little bit this morning. I, I love that um, acronym, that mindset. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you can bring, if you can just parachute into that, what, what did that stand okay. for? <laughs> so so uh, in, in uh, adaptive uh, development, mm-hmm. uh, which is being able to better operate in the, in the face of ambiguity, in mm-hmm. the face of uncertainty, mm-hmm. uh, in the face of complexity. So, so adaptive growth uh, requires mindset shifts. And if you think about the word mindset, uh, that we've come up with a little acronym that, that relates to that, that uh, speaks to what you're, what you're talking about here. So if you actually put a little hyphen between the yeah. mind and the set, uh-huh. so M-I-N-D hyphen, and then you go S-E-T-T, so add an extra T to yeah. mindset. So set stands for surface. So bring to the surface, bring to consciousness, uh, which is part of, you know, in the sprint process, right. we're trying to bring to consciousness right. those old assumptions. Bring yeah. to consciousness, then engage them, mm-hmm. reflect on them in some way, and then critically test them. Mm-hmm. Test them and write down like a good scientist, like a good right. researcher, uh, write down your reflections, write down right. the data and what the test tells you about your big assumption. That's ultimately how you'll transcend yeah. limiting assumptions. So S-E-T-T, yeah. surface, engage, test, and transcend. That's how we shift our mindsets. Love it. I love it. 
This has been so good. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. I mean, it really, it's been so good. Um, okay, so it's, I know we're probably running out of time. I just, it's just a couple of fun questions. Sure. So, Andy Fleming, what are some of your favorite movies? <laughs> okay. Uh, one, one I'd have to say is, uh, it might be a little bit obscure, uh, but it's a movie called Michael Clayton uh, is the name of it. Okay, I don't know that movie. George Clooney. Oh. And, uh, and it's about, the, the story itself is an engaging kind of current story that, you know, involves corporate, uh, there's a degree of corporate sort of corruption and uh -huh. uh, sort of the dark side uh, a bit. And this character, Michael Clayton, has kind of lost his way mm -hmm. and he's become a very cynical uh, kind of operator uh, yes. in that world. And he goes through an experience uh, in this movie uh, where he recovers something uh, and rediscovers something essential about himself. And so by the end of the movie, there's a kind of transformation in him that is that. brilliantly captured in the closing scene that just zeroes in on the face of George Clooney after he's had this experience. And you can just sort of see him starting to come back to himself. I love and there's a little half smile and then movie's over. Oh, and I awesome. love that movie. Oh, I can't wait to watch it. Okay. I feel yeah. like now that you're talking about that, I feel like I can visualize the movie poster. So I feel like I have seen <laughs> okay. seen that. So I'm going to have to go back and watch it. Though, All right. seen it. Okay, so what about books? I am sure you have more than one to choose from. And oh, I know you love poetry. I, I do love poetry. Uh, and uh, I love I love to hear uh, uh, poetry recited. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's a poet, uh, David White, W-H-Y-T-E, that if you go on YouTube uh, and just, you know, um, search for, you know, uh, poems by David White, you'll see lots of uh, video of him reciting okay. poetry in any of his poetry books or, or his prose books. Mm -hmm. uh, and the first prose book he wrote that, that sort of made a splash was a book called The Heart Aroused. And the second was Crossing the Unknown Sea. Mm -hmm. And the third is called The Three Marriages. And by marriages, he means the relationship that you have with yourself, mm -hmm. the relationship that you have with other people, uh, uh, including a spouse or a mm -hmm. partner, mm -hmm. and then the relationship that you have with your work. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how those th are really, you can think of them as like three marriages, and he has some really great insights about them. But, but I, I also have to give a shout out to our, our colleague, Bob Keegan from Harvard, uh, wrote a number of great books. Uh, and the one that, that was really seminal and central for me was a book called In Over Our Heads. Mm. Uh, and the subtitle is The Mental Demands of Modern Life. Mm. And yes. it's, it's very relevant yeah, for, for all of us. Yes. And, and the, the idea is, and I, I think it's particularly relevant, we're talking about this here at Brookstone, an educational institution, <laughs> uh, the metaphor in the book, uh, in, in Bob's book, is that if you think of life as a school, if life is a school, then like any school, it has a curriculum. It has demands that it's making of us uh, in terms of uh, navigating our careers. So, so there's, there's a way that we now have to navigate our careers that's different than it was 30 years ago where yeah. we could just go to work for one organization and if we just put our head down and do well, right. it's going to take care of us. That's not the way it is anymore. There's a curriculum now for what it means to be a parent in today's world, 
and the curriculum is more complex yes. than it was 30 years ago. Is a curriculum for what it means to be a citizen in an increasingly diverse and global uh, society where there's access to information, you know, 24-7. And so there's a curriculum now that is making demands on us. And that for many of us, the curriculum is over our heads. Right. And, and that sort of idea just really struck me. Uh, and, and it's part of what kind of fuels the, you know, the work is how right. do we bring about the right. ability to develop ourselves and each other mm-hmm. so that individually and collectively mm-hmm. we're able to meet mm-hmm. the curriculum right. that we're facing right now. Oh, I love that. So, well, I believe know. personally it, 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 that's completely what it did when I, I, did my first sprint sitting in that room. I felt there were some points I was like, I can't even speak or I'm going to start crying. Like I'm going to absolutely dissolve into tears because I'm so overwhelmed and I don't even know where to start breaking down my improvement goal. And, um, and so that process was so transformative. It really, really can change your life. And um, so I feel that way. I feel like that First sprint just changed the trajectory of how I approached so much about work and and family life. I mean, the blending of two of the two, and so um, so I cannot thank you enough for the work you're doing because it has been such a blessing to me, and I know it has been to to our admin team and to our faculty and to our students. Um, I just am so grateful. I am so grateful to have had the privilege to work with you oh, and. Um, it's just been a blessing to me in every way. Well, the, so. the pr- privilege has been all mine and, and, all, and the, my team as well. And I, I want to yes. give a special shout out to uh, Claire, who's Claire, been a part of we this. Love. And, uh, and, and Amara Amara. Lynch uh, and love on our her. team as well. Uh, yes. And it's been, you know, one of the great privileges of my life to work with you and well, uh, you. and the group here at Brookstown, which is, which is a truly special place. Really and uh, to the idea that we may have contributed something. Uh, to it is uh, is enormously satisfying. Well, we are grateful. So, and we're just going to have to have you come back because I want to have more conversations about more of all the things you could touch on. So, thanks. So, Avery. thank you for being here, Andy. My pleasure. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Andy, and I hope that you feel inspired, encouraged, and ready to take on some developmental work in your own life. As we mentioned, we're the only school in the world fostering this kind of developmental intelligence thanks to the Blanchard Leadership Institute. So if you are interested in finding out more about how your child can become a part of the Brookstone family, reach out to Ann Parker, our Director of Enrollment, for more information. Her contact info is in the show notes. And if you would like more information on the Blanchard Leadership Institute, reach out to Megan Blackman to learn more. Her contact info will also be in the show notes. I'm Avery Wolf. Thank you so much for listening today. We are grateful for you and for your support of this podcast. And to all the Brookstone Cougars out there, always remember to be the one.